HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Welcome back to Heritage Radio Network on Tour. We are broadcasting live from Fire, Flower, and Fork in Richmond, Virginia. I'm Katie Mosman-Wadler. I'm the executive director of Heritage Radio Network. And before we kick things off, uh, we'd like to thank again our sponsor, Virginia Wine, for making our coverage of the festival possible. And uh, it's now my great honor to introduce our next guest. People love to throw around the term rock star chef. But Chidi Kumar is the real deal. Before opening Garland, her Raleigh, North Carolina restaurant, Chidi toured the country playing guitar in bands like the Cherry Valance and Birds of Avalon. Garland serves Indian-style dishes with a nod towards southern cooking and seasonal ingredients. Welcome, Chidi. Thank you for having me. So uh, being in a rock band is the kind of life a lot of people would envy. So what (laughs) made you stop doing that and open a restaurant? Well, you know, a lot of people think being a chef is glamorous, too. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they're all they're both um, uh, labors of love uh, for the most part. You know, there's a lot of physical uh, labor involved in both. Um, we we toured so hard for about 10 years. And um, my husband had a venue with a couple of other partners during that time. And um, Raleigh growing the way Richmond has uh just made that building kind of get torn down as part of development and we just had always talked about having our next venue have a food component so we searched really hard for a place and this uh, building that we got the lease on just happened to have a restaurant already kind of built out um, for us so we could actually afford to do it so it was kind of like well here's the lease and our names on it so now we have to do it Um, it was sort of like that it um, I didn't I didn't know what I was intending to do, I guess. So can you talk a little bit about your childhood, um, beginning in India and then moving to the Bronx in New York City? Um, what was your childhood like, and did you know from an early age that you'd want to be working in music and or food? Well, um, when, when I was growing up, I was kind of in the kitchen all the time and when I wasn't I was listening to my dad's reel to reels <laughs> so uh but I never really had these like very specific goals um the whole time when we were growing up my family was always looking towards moving to the U.S. and that because my parents had lived in the U.S. before and 
we knew that we were going to go back at some point just because we had to, you know. Um, so that was kind of the only thing. And I remember uh, one of my teachers asked me when I was in the second grade, like, what are you going to be doing in the year 2000? And I had zero idea. I couldn't picture having kids and I couldn't picture being a doctor or a engineer or whatever my parents had, you know, hopes for me. So, um, it was just kind of, I've always just kind of stumbled <laughs> into the things that I love. Um, uh, fortunately, so I may be in a state of denial when I'm actually making all of those things happen, but, um, I do go for, I've gone for both my passions. Can you talk a little bit about your style of cooking and how that's been informed by your life experience? Um, yeah, I mean, the backbone of everything that I'm um, making in the restaurant is, you know, inevitably rooted in the things that my mother taught me and in the food that uh, she prepared for us and in the spice cabinet. But it's uh, kind of branched out so much because of living in the Bronx and being exposed to you know all the world that New York has to offer. And then touring and going to um, the big cities and the small towns in, in the country and going to Europe and seeing how people dine in northern Spain and France and how important that convivial um, atmosphere of a, a great restaurant, whether it's fancy or not, how important that is to their day. Um, and then uh, kind of when, every time we'd go to the South, I would realize that, wow, this is the one part in the country that seems to have this uh, history and this food culture that is really reminiscent of India, you know, or like the things that I was familiar with, long traditions, a lot of um, ingredients from all over the place, and then a farmer's market, in our case in Raleigh, that's like a mile and a half from downtown. Uh, that's open every single day and it's not fancy and it's not artisanal. It is just the way of life and it really resonated with the way that my um, my family used to cook when we were in India. So it was kind of a, a little bit of going back home for me and um, just also having a very diverse population in Raleigh because of the triangle, just having um, loads of Asian markets to be able to get all the spices I wanted and, you know, source the things that I was reading about in cookbooks. What was life like when you were touring, your daily life, and how, <laughs> how much were you eating on a bus, and then how much do you get to eat out in the city that you're traveling to? Well, we, uh, we were a van band, uh, oh. so we were, you know, uh, super DIY, self-managed. We didn't spend that much time on a bus. We had a van everywhere we toured. Even in Europe, we would rent, like, a, a sprinter or whatever. So um, um, more, like, 99% of my time was spent in a van with dudes, uh, so I'd be the <laughs> only woman. Uh, I always packed a crate of kitchen essentials. We would cook in hotel rooms and we would go camping and I'd cook on the fire. Kind of dinner was on me. <laughs> Are these hotel rooms that would have a kitchen or were you no. improvising heat sources? And yeah, uh, can you uh, hot talk plates about that? and uh, hot plates, George Foreman grill, uh, a, a gas stove that got stolen immediately. Like we put it, you know, next to our tire and we started cooking and like, I don't know what happened. I went in the room to get something and came out and it was gone. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was a, a lot of improvisation. So you're like a boss of camp cooking. And, uh, so I, I you know, well, outdoor I'm, cooking is sort of a different thing than, than improvising in a hotel room. Um, did you, did yeah. you have smoke detector situations or, uh, how, how much did you feel like you could get away with in a hotel room? 
Well, um, we definitely pushed the envelope because oftentimes we were like six of us crammed into one <laughs> one <laughs> tiny room anyway. So, I mean, they were going to throw us out. They'd have a litany of <laughs> excuses. <laughs> so we just, you know, we'd check in pretty late. Um, if we even had the luxury of having a hotel room, a lot mm -hmm. of times we crash with uh, new friends. Um, <laughs> so, you know, depending on the f quality of their kitchen, we'd make late night snacks. And I mean, it wasn't fancy food. It was just sustenance. Um, it was, you spend a lot of time kind of being hungry. And after you, you know, if you're touring, you're on the road for 200 days of the year, you just can't eat fast food. You know, you might do it for the first two months and then you realize... I will die if, <laughs> if this <laughs> continues. Please, somebody give me a vegetable and some lentils. <laughs> Was there, uh, did you have to contend with, like, people in your band wanting, like, dude food? Um, uh, I mean, there were some some people that just didn't want that, and they just got ice cream, and I don't care, you mm -hmm. know. Yeah. You can do what you want, but um, I think... Most people were hungry enough to <laughs> just eat whatever was around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it must be really luxurious now having a big professional kitchen space to, to Oh, yeah. Play Luxury in. is definitely the word I would yeah. use. <laughs> <laughs> but it um, is. Um, actually, you know, the other day, um, it happened to be during the hurricane, and I was by myself in the kitchen, which doesn't really ever happen anymore. And I just had this moment of feeling so fortunate. And I just looked around and said, oh my God, this is my kitchen, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it is, it is luxury. You have a domain now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what attracted you to Raleigh? And what is Raleigh like as, as a city? Um, it's it's kind of interesting. Raleigh is, when I first went there, it was like 20 something years ago, um, it just, had this really excellent community, warm, accessible vibe, and I kind of felt like it had all this potential, and maybe it had an identity crisis, and maybe I did too, so we were kind of in the same place together, mm -hmm. and it felt like a place that maybe I could find myself, and I could figure something out. Um, it was easy to live there, and I had some good friends that were playing music, and um, because of all the things that I said earlier about having a farmer's market and Asian markets and Mexican markets and, you know, whatever Chinese ingredient you want is right there, um, I just felt like I could kind of make a little hovel for myself. Um, it's grown tremendously since then. And uh, if we hadn't been in Raleigh, I don't think that I would have been able to find the time or have the guts to play music or open a business. Um, the growth has been pretty rapid, but it's also been really smart and deliberate on the government side for the most part. Um, downtown isn't like overrun by a bunch of corporate entities. Uh, so there's such a great independent food scene, uh, owned, restaurants owned by people who really have a voice and are just showing, um, showing that voice in a really creative and uh, delicious way. Um, so, and then Raleigh, like, architecturally resonated with me because of the hometown that I grew up in in India is, uh, Chandigarh. It's like a postmodern, um, city, and, um, I just recently found out that the original architect for my hometown in India was from Raleigh, so that was no a way. little, yeah, it was a little bit kind of a, a mind blow. That's a little eerie. <laughs> yeah, it was really cool. creepy. Wow. <laughs> creepy and great, and, like, yeah, it was, like, uh, destiny just sort of saying, yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> you were meant to be here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like full circle. Yeah, totally. Has your relationship to the city changed since you arrived? Um, well, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel more of a part, you know, um, in, in as much as anybody can. Uh, I, I feel 
uh, more invested, obviously, just because we have a business right downtown. But, um, you know, I, I, f I really, I care so much more about what happens in mm -hmm. the city. Not that I didn't care before, but, you know, I could take it or leave it. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about your menu at Garland and, um, and what's in the name? Um, so Garland, uh, we'll start with the name first. Um, our building um, has three businesses. So we talked about the music venue, Kings is upstairs, Garland is in the middle, and we have a bar downstairs called Neptunes. And when we found that space across the street, or like catty corner as we say, <laughs> um, was this building called the Garland Jones Building. And that building was the first building I saw in Raleigh and I thought, oh, that looks like Chandigarh. You know, this had these blue and white panels and like very typical of like 1959, 1962 kind of architecture. And of course, they tore that building down. And um, my husband and I were on this rant that, like, every time there's a cool building that we love, Raleigh tears it down, you know? So we decided to name um, all of our businesses after buildings that we love that got torn down. But then also, garlands are uh, a welcome symbol in India. They're festive. Uh, when people come to your house for the first time, you give them a garland. And garlands are. Um, made from many elements but ha but are united by a, a common thread uh -huh, literally so our menu kind of reflects that too it's um uh, what seems to be many different influences uh and elements come together by the uniting um force of whatever's in season in raleigh and all the sourcing is local so uh our menu uh we have a lot of components that change we do a lot of seasonal specials but there's a definitely an anchor of like greatest hits if you will that kind of always uh always on the menu cool. so very recently this week you were written up in the times yes <laughs> <laughs> can you talk about that um i'm still not sure if that really happened <laughs> but uh this wonderful woman in raleigh <laughs> uh has written a uh, book from Trin uh, cookbook. Uh, she's from Trinidad, and um, she had dined in the restaurant a few years ago. And then she just came by and said, "Hey, I'm I'm pitching the story for the Times, and I want you to be a, be the subject." And I was like, "Yeah, okay, that's cool." <laughs> yeah, we'll, um, we did a bunch of interviews, and um, yeah, it's pretty mind blowing. Yeah, it really, is kind of emotional. I grew up reading that paper, and you know, I think a lot of people probably have. Mm -hmm. Um, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Does it feel unreal or have you gotten a lot of reactions to it? I mean, both, you know, um, Instagram has melted <laughs> 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 and, um, it, it did, it, I mean, it's, it's pretty surreal. I have the actual paper and, um, I guess it, yeah, it's, it's, there it is. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it, but I'm, I'm really excited. <laughs> it either makes it all more or less real. Yeah, maybe. exactly. What is real? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, so what's next for you? Um, well, we have a dinner tomorrow night <laughs> at Brenner Pass with a bunch of uh, amazing female chefs. And, um, I, you know, uh, I'm kind of keeping my options open for the future and just hope to, uh, continue to learn and grow and become better at what I do and employ some really great people and watch them grow. That's sort of, there we go. Awesome. <laughs> Whatever else happens is, is candy. Cool. Mm -hmm. 
Well, Chidi, thank you so much for sitting down with me today. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you'll come have pizza with us at Roberta's soon, and we'll tape something in our studio. I'm going to hold you to it. Please do. <laughs> yeah. yeah we'll I've always wanted that. to go in that little box. We're you know? there. We're there. Come on in. Yeah. Um, and I want to say thank you again to our sponsor, Virginia Wine, for making our coverage of Fire, Flower, and Fork possible. Thank you. We'll be right back with more of Heritage Radio Network on tour. <laughs> 